What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Today's intro is brought to you by a shot of bourbon because my throat and nose are just all stopped up. Um, I'm having some really bad sinus issues, so I'm sorry for that, but I, I'm continuously taking shots of bourbon or little sips of bourbon and giving it a good old Kentucky chew. If you don't know what that is, then, then look it up. Um, and then swallowing it back and hoping that my voice sounds a little bit better and that my sinuses are a little bit more clear for you all. So if you're just like, what the heck is Caroline doing? Just know it's a Kentucky thing. And I'm just really hoping and praying that my sinuses clear up so that I can record this intro and not sound so super sick for you all. Today's episode is a little bit heavy. I'm going to get into that after I do my happies and crappies. Um, But I just want to preface that it's a little bit longer, it's a little bit intense, so just be super ready to, to listen and maybe even have some tissues ready. So my happy over the past couple of weeks is that I had... Um, I, I've been having a little bit of a low moment whenever it comes to creativity, and last Thursday, actually, I had this burst of creativity in the morning after I had done my morning routine, and I was so thankful for it. I came up with this new idea, new project that I am super stoked about. Um, it's, it's going to be a work in progress, pretty big. So I can't give out like a lot of information now. Um, but it's something really, really cool for me to work towards. And so I'm, I'm really excited and motivated about that in terms of my crappy. I haven't had a bad crappy, like I haven't had any bad moments the past couple of weeks that really have me stressed out. I was actually just telling someone on Instagram the other morning, I had this like really weird moment where I just fell at peace with everything that's going on in my life and how everything is aligning for me. And it was a weird moment. And it was like, honestly, really weird for me to say to like, oh yeah, I'm doing really well. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, it was a good, good moment. And I haven't had any super bad moments. Um, Thinking about bouncing around everywhere for the holidays kind of stresses me out, but I am kind of putting it on the back burner right now, which I know avoidance isn't a great strategy, but that is what I'm doing until it's like absolutely necessary for me to figure out uh, where to go for the holidays, how to split up my time between my parents and, and other families and Bobby's family and um, finishing up wrapping presents and, and doing all those good things. 
I'm very quickly going to share a happy and crappy that was on my story question. So she said they made the decision to change jobs, which I'm so proud of her for. And then she got another tattoo and it's, it's beautiful. She sent me a picture and then her crappy was freezing hands during walks and that she needs warmer gloves, which I totally feel. Today's episode is with Charlotte from Charlotte with Dogs, and she gives a really good intro to herself and her dogs in the episode, but I want to give a bit of a trigger warning. So in this episode, she does talk about being attacked by someone a few years ago, and she did have one of her dogs with her, and this episode also goes into and is really, really centered around what she learned from her dog, Kiki, which she had to put down with behavioral euthanasia. So this is a very heavy and vulnerable episode, like I had mentioned earlier, so I do want you to be prepared for that. She does share some really happy and joyful moments that she had with Kiki. She talks about some of the training that she went through and um, some of her her really cute personality quirks that she had, but she also goes into some detail about how she worked with trainers, vets, and behavioralists, um, and how she saw Kiki's quality of life decline, and I do, do want you to know that we just touched the surface with the details that we could have on this episode, and that she tried everything and went through went through multiple professionals and they all agreed and recommended this decision for for Charlotte and for Kiki. So without further ado, we are going to get into tough decisions make us stronger with Charlotte. All right. Today we have Charlotte with us from Charlotte with Dogs. Uh, Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Charlotte. Um, First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Um, So I am a dog mom, of course. Uh, Got Starsky, um, who is a senior, and he's an American foxhound. Hounds are like kind of my thing. And then I have Ginsburg, who is about 15 months, and she is the golden retriever, and she's a lot of fun. And then I have Kiki, or had Kiki. Um, she, the, We're going to talk about her more on the mm-hmm. podcast, but she was a rescue mutt uh, from rural Texas who made her way up to Brooklyn, where I was living when I got her. Um, who am I as a person? I'm actually... Uh, struggling with that question uh a lot in my life lately I realized I really leaned into the dog stuff a little too hard and they became my entire personality and like I need to figure out who I am I feel that I feel that (laughs) yeah like I realized I need to like different or uh diversify my personality because that's just healthier I think uh and diversification is healthy in a lot of things finances personality um Mm -hmm. so outside of my dogs I guess I am an attorney uh I don't practice anymore um although 
I'm sort of going back to that slowly. Um, I do content creation. I'm a photographer. Um, An awesome photographer. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) And I guess that's who I am. Um, Yeah, at this point. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I literally like was kind of going through my list of goals for the the next month um, for December and then for the upcoming year. And I penciled in do things on my own. Like, and then in parentheses, <laughs> literally put not with Layla. <laughs> I totally, yeah. I am like, I want to start taking tap dance classes again because I used to do that in high school and I loved it. And I'm like, and I will not run with my dogs, even though I like quote unquote should, because, mm-hmm. you know, Ginsburg needs, you know, a lot of exercise, but I'm like, nope, running is just for me. I get very annoyed with the zigzagging. I'm yep. like, nope, that is just a me thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ginsburg is a unit. She yes. is one <laughs> heck of a dog. <laughs> like the things she is- that I've seen you put on there, I am like so impressed. She is a fun little dog, but she is a lot of dog in yeah. a very small package. <laughs> the weight pulling, especially she just looks like so strong and tough. And I'm like, that's a baby dog. I mean, not really a puppy, but you know, she's a year and a half. Yeah. She's a little girl. She's very strong. She loves weight pulling. That's her favorite of the dog sports that we do. Um, We're taking a little break from dog sports because my wallet needs it um, (laughs) mostly. Um, But also she does well with uh, longer breaks. It, really helps her brain process things like she never really understood place and then I just didn't train it for like two months and then we got back here to my parents and hanging out with them for the holidays and um she just suddenly totally understood it and what I was great with that that's so <laughs> funny no <laughs> the same thing has happened to us I've been really working on orbit where like Layla goes around backwards around me like in a circle. And she was like really needing, she could do it, but she needed a lot of Lorraine and me helping her out. And then I went to go see Brittany on a trip, came back. She just knew how to do it. No lure, no anything, just like whipping around me. I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) So sometimes those breaks are needed. Yeah. I think it helps their brains process things, but I always think of like, okay, a break of maybe a few days no, like for whatever reason, a break for like a couple months works really well with Ginsburg. Huh, that is literally so funny. That's crazy. So are they adapting to being um, like at your parents? Yeah, it's a lot because my parents have three dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot happening in this house. Um, and we should be back in Colorado. It's like, was a timing thing between, mm-hmm. uh, between living situations. So we should be back there around uh, January. So um, okay, awesome. They, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back. Um, it, but they're having fun here. Although mm-hmm. it's harder to do things with them, it's much easier yeah. to like do the big stuff in Colorado. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, especially because in Colorado, I feel like there's such a dog community. It's like the pack walks are all the time. Um, multiple places to do the sports. So yeah, yeah, there's a very 
the culture is like very dog friendly. Yeah. It's very. That, that's what I was trying to say. For sure. Yeah. I really, I really like that about living there for sure. Um, it just makes it easy to do a lot of stuff, to do hiking, to do dog sports. You can try a lot of new things that you can't necessarily try in upstate New York. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So let's, let's dive in. So we're going to talk about your, um, most recent rescue. So you got Kiki after Starsky, correct? Yep. But, but prior to Ginsburg. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience with rescuing prior to Kiki first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Starsky is a rescue. I, uh, I love his rescue. They are amazing. Um, we, he and I are just a really good fit. I, I was actually looking for a golden retriever, uh, when I found him on pet finder and I was like, I got to meet that dog, like something about that dog. And I kind of pestered them a little bit, which is, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, um, Mm -hmm. with rescue because mostly volunteers, his rescue is all volunteer, um, no full-time employees or anything. Um, so they, they get backlogged. So I just followed up like nothing crazy. It wasn't pestering, pestering. I just followed up and they said, sure, let's, let's talk about some things on the phone. They didn't outright like deny me. I was 22. Um, I was 22. I did not, I was living with my parents at the time, but moving into my own place, but wasn't there yet. Um, so I, uh, got on the phone with them and they were like, there's a couple of red flags here. Um, let's just, let's just talk through them and, you know, see if that's just something that looks like a red flag, but isn't really. Um, and that's kind of what happened. They were like, okay, you're 22. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your lifestyle (laughs) because, uh, you might not be the best, uh, lifestyle to be a dog owner. And then they were like, okay, you are a good lifestyle for a dog owner. Um, so there were, there were a few of those things that we talked through and Starsky has just been a wonderful fit. Like, uh-huh. Just really, I don't know. We I met him and I was like, I, I love this dog. I want to bring this dog home, bring the dog home. And we just got on really well. It was a huge adjustment and it was an adjustment learning to have him be my own dog as opposed to a family dog. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was great. He's a really stable dog. He's very well adjusted, very little anxiety, which obviously is something a lot of rescue dogs struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. not all, but, uh, he's just a really good dog. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can say. He's just a great dog. Um, just a really great dog. <laughs> did you foster at all? I didn't, I would like to, I haven't fostered any dogs because I've never, I've been in like apartments, but I didn't really Mm -hmm. want to foster a dog until like I had a house, whether rented or my own, but I wanted to, um, I I wanted to have a yard, uh, and have a little more control over a living situation before fostering. Um, so I've never fostered a dog. I have fostered cats before, like cats I've like found on the street, not like it was private Mm -hmm. fostering. It wasn't ever um never through an organization gotcha. uh, so I love I love fostering I think it's great and I have not really done it much myself mm-hmm. I was just wondering since since you've had uh rescues so okay now tell us a little bit about Kiki um and maybe like how you found her through the rescue and then some of like the early moments 
of uh, getting her, seeing what she was like, and then maybe some of the training that you did? Yeah. Um, Kiki was a very, very sweet girl. Uh, so when I, I wanted another dog for a couple of reasons, um, mostly, I, well, not mostly, uh, one of the reasons was I think I was a little impatient. I wanted to be a two dog household. Um, I knew I wanted to adopt again because I had adopted with Starsky and I wanted an adult. I didn't want a puppy. Um, adults, you know, you have a bit more sense of their personality. Um, they theoretically are house trained. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's benefits to adopting adults. So I wanted an adult and I, Starsky was, I had just moved in on my own and Starsky was like, he was definitely lonely. Like he had mm -hmm. some, not separation anxiety, but FOMO. Um, were you he, so working at the time? So you were like going out so I was actually in law school. Um, so okay. But you were still like going out and having to leave him. Yes. Yes. Um, he, he just likes to be part of a pack, which is definitely like a hound dog thing, especially for foxhounds. Foxhounds in particular are bred to hunt with a pack. So it's encoded in their DNA that they, they like being generally, I mean, obviously there are individual cases, not like this, but mm -hmm. generally foxhounds prefer to be part of a pack. So I, I wanted a second dog and, um, I had also just, I, I decided to adopt a dog was like halfway through the process. And then, um, I was attacked, uh, about 10 days before my third year of law school started. Uh, sorry, I, this whole thing might get emotional for multiple reasons, but, um, so I was attacked about 10 days before law school started because there wasn't a lock on the outside door of my apartment building. Um, and that kind of left me reeling. You know, I got away before I was mm -hmm. able to, before he was able to hurt me too much. Um, I should have put a trigger warning on that. Uh, but it, it left me emotionally like vulnerable and I maybe did not think through rescuing again like super well mm -hmm. because of the emo like I'd already there was just a I lot going to. on yeah I maybe should have waited like another month before deciding because there was a lot happening um that said I'm glad I brought Kiki home like I don't regret it at all uh but like the timing was maybe not as good as I thought the timing was to rescue mm -hmm. if that makes sense does that make yeah. sense yeah it makes sense it was like a lot to think of all at once. I'm sure um, yeah. emotions were just racing. And at the, I mean, I'm not saying that you were like this, but I know sometimes whenever I'm like really feeling emotional, I'm like, you know, I just want this one thing and then I'll feel better. Whether yes. that be like, <laughs> go on a trip, get a dog, get ice cream, like whatever. You're like, okay, as soon as I have that like next thing, like it'll be okay. I'll have something else to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Like she wasn't an impulse decision and she wasn't a bad decision, but maybe I could have thought a little more logically about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. But at the same time, my dog was lonely. I wanted to get another dog for Starsky and I thought it would be a good thing for both of us. Um, so I found her rescue. I had been following them for a while and I think what you were getting into was maybe you were a little misled on her description and what she was going to yes. be like. And then once you got her, um, 
you saw some problems arise. Yes. Okay. Thank you for You're fine. Uh, getting me back on track. <laughs> I tend to ramble. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I found her rescue. And I was, the rescue process itself was like a little more involved than a lot of rescues in ways that I don't think were totally necessary. Although I understand, you know, you want the dogs to go to a good home, but that's kind of that the process itself is neither really here nor there. So I get through the process and I go and visit the dogs and I met three different dogs. Uh, and I took Starsky on a walk around the block with all of them to kind of like test whether they got along. And then I took him on a walk around the block with Kiki and she loved him. And he was like, yeah, like, I don't think he like was obsessed with her, but he clearly Mm -hmm. like really liked her. They bonded. Um, They definitely bonded. They bonded right away. Like the second I brought her home. So um, that's kind of how I picked her. And then there was another dog that I did really like. Um, And I don't know if that situation really would have been anything better because I know she had some pretty intense separation anxiety. Um, But Kiki had some, she was basically shut down at this adoption event, like cowering, unable to move, like just shut down. I've never seen a dog so shut down before, really stressed and upset, um, not acting out or anything. So, but once we got her on the walk, she seemed fine. She was just overwhelmed by the event. Okay. Um, so I, something told me Kiki, she's the one, Mm -hmm. this dog, her name was Ziggy at the time. She had two different color eyes. So she was Ziggy Stardust. Um, so something for whatever reason, I just knew Kiki was the one who was going to come home with me that day. Um, and that, and, and we got home and she and Starsky were wrestling from day one. They loved each other Best from friends. day one. <laughs> Best friends. Like he loves Ginsburg, but like uh-huh. this was next level. Like yeah. he has never loved another dog as much as he loved Kiki so much. Um, so that's kind of how I got there. Uh, and how I, how I found the rescue, how I, uh, how I picked Kiki. I know I, something about the hard ones kind of, you know, made me want Intrigued to Intrigued you a little bit. Yeah. And she really was like a wonderful dog in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can get into that. <laughs> okay. So you got Kiki, brought her home, her and Starsky, best friends. <laughs> that is so cute. Really I've seen sweet. some of your videos like of them playing and stuff too. And it, it's really cute. Um, so you saw that she was shut down at the adoption event and you're like, oh, that's a little off, but she seemed fine on the walk. Once you brought her home, what kind of, um, what kind of like, behavior did she display that you thought maybe you should do a little bit more research into her past and seeing like what kind of training you could do with her? So I didn't do like, I didn't have to do a ton of research into her past her. She had been rescued by a small rescue in rural Texas who had then brought her up to Brooklyn and they actually found me and we got talking. Uh, they okay. found me when the rescue in New York um, 
announced it. So that's kind of how I figured out about her past. But the concerning behaviors, there were quite a few, but nothing that seemed incurable. Um, Mm -hmm. She was kind of, she was very anxious, which is not surprising, but anxiety is something I can work with. I'm not new to dogs. My sister's a dog trainer. We've always had dogs. Like I'm, I'm not a trainer, but I like know what I'm doing as an owner. Um, so I knew I could work with anxiety. I knew I could work with separation anxiety. Um, I, I could work with a very fearful dog. Uh, hers was like kind of next level though. She was very outgoing and sweet as long as we were in the apartment. Um, if I took her out to potty for the first week, she wouldn't, she like just went to the corner of the yard and like cowered. She mm-hmm. would not go to the bathroom outside. Um, okay. It's just a thing that dogs do when they settle in. And then, uh, that she eventually would go outside, but she was never really potty trained, which didn't really make any sense. Um, didn't really make any sense because she was a really smart dog. Uh, and I think part of that was that she had been living outside, uh, the whole time. And part of that was that, um, and, and part of that was the anxiety and the issues, um, potentially physical issues in her brain. Um, she didn't really display any concerning behaviors towards Starsky, but, uh, she, she was terrified of men. Like they're like scared of them. And then they're terrified, like would not get near them, was shaking if she saw them. Um, she was, fortunately it wasn't like it didn't manifest itself as aggression. So Mm -hmm. I could have her near men. She eventually grew to very much like my best friend, Dustin and my dad, my dad was her second favorite person. Um, but she was absolutely terrified of men. Uh, same thing with kids. Like this was like next level fear. Um, and then probably like a month in once she started, you know, settling in a little bit, but not fully settled in, uh, she started reacting to other dogs, which of course there's, there's reactivity and then there's aggression. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this was like very intense reactivity. Starsky used to be reactive or Mm -hmm. sometimes reactivity sort of in remission. Um, cause I did a lot of work with it, Yeah, but hers so I was like okay I can work through reactivity fine and then I was like this is not normal reactivity so just everything about her was like more intense in not good ways in unpredictable kind of scary ways yeah unpredictable is is a word that you've told me before to to describe her behavior and I think that's a good word um because it sounds like you know, you did your training with Starsky. You're a big dog person anyways. Um, and you are responsible. So like, you know what to look for, you know, like you said, you knew how to work through reactivity. Um, but whenever things are just totally unpredictable, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. And at this point, she'd only been home about a month. And so we're still like really getting to know each other. And Mm -hmm. she was still like, just, just unpredictable. Like I can't, I can't totally explain it because at this point there was no unpredictable aggression, Mm -hmm. but she just wasn't stable. There was just something off and there's, there's off. And then there's like off. And Mm -hmm. she was the latter. Um, 
there, I always differentiate, I try to differentiate that because it's not, sometimes it's like, you can't even explain it. It's just like, like I have a friend whose dog is a lovely dog, but she can never totally trust what he's going to do. Even though she knows he's not going to do anything, she can never a hundred percent trust him. And that's kind of how Kiki was. I could never a hundred percent trust, um, that she was going to be okay at this point. Eventually Mm -hmm. it got worse. Um, gotcha. Okay. So, and just, just to backtrack a little bit. So in Texas, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just going from, from what we've talked about before and what I've read on your post. She was in Texas permanently outside and she had had babies before. Yes. She was chained outside. There were like, it was a minor, not minor hoarding case. It was a really bad hoarding case, but minor in terms of the number of dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen a few videos of the property. Um, I have them saved somewhere and, um, she, there were maybe 15 dogs. It wasn't like 50 dogs running around kind of thing. Um, but they were all chained up or in, they all were outside a hundred percent of the time. Her chain was not very long. Um, she, I have a picture of her just like on like maybe an eight, maybe eight feet, like standing near tires. Uh, she definitely, she definitely had, um, not, not a safe living situation between the neglect and then she had some scars on her. So there must've been some sort of altercations with the other dogs, maybe even with the humans. I don't, I don't really know. I'm hesitant to say that there was any mm-hmm. physical abuse by the humans other than neglect, which is of course, physical abuse. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and she had definitely had at least one litter because she gave birth to one litter while she was in rescue. Okay. I would assume there were more, Yeah, uh, but I don't know for sure whether there were more. Okay. Understandable. I just wanted to give the listeners a little bit of context with that. Um, yeah. She's one of those rare rescue dogs. I actually do know her backstory mm-hmm. and it's because she wasn't a stray because the rescue in Texas, you know, I, I questioned their decision to send her up to New York city. Uh, she was an incredibly nervous dog and, whether she, whether or not she was displaying any of the unpredictability and aggression at that point, um, she was still an incredibly nervous dog who shouldn't have been sent to the literally one of the busiest cities in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like she was not a good candidate for that. And I question that decision. However, I know they were really doing their best with their dogs Mm -hmm. and, um, the woman who rescued her, who I talked to, she said she was visiting that woman, uh, who owned her for months, you know, giving her dog food, trying to, to help her become a better owner while also being mm-hmm. like, you know, I can take these dogs off your hands. Yeah. Um, and the woman actually surrendered a litter of puppies to her. And then she brought out Kiki and the rescue, person said, Oh, well, we don't actually have a foster home for her. And she goes, oh, okay. I'll like take her back. And she goes, no, 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 I'll take her. Oh um, uh, yeah. So yeah. She was like, I could not let this dog go. go. Back there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she, um, so, so she ended up with Kiki takes her to the vet and she's like, this dog is pregnant. Yeah. And they were like, okay, I guess we'll have the babies, which I don't know how far along she was or how far along you can do mm-hmm. a dog abortion. 
Um, but I'm a big fan of abortion through rescue dogs, which is a whole nother can of worms yeah. um, that people are not really ready to talk about dog abortion. We're not even ready to talk about human abortion and yeah. pro-choice, but <laughs> I think dog abortion is probably an underused tool in rescue. I've actually uh, never heard or thought about that. So yeah, spay abort is definitely possible, but I don't know, like, the, if it's not possible after a certain amount of time, the yeah. way it's not with humans or, um, I don't know too much about it. I just know it's possible. It's a good tool in certain circumstances. Uh, and I hesitate to say it should have been done with Kiki because I don't totally know the circumstances around that. But if this dog had, if I had pulled this dog out of a neglect situation and she was the dog she was, uh, I would not have wanted those genetics passed yeah, on. Genetics passed on for sure. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. So looking at your page, um, your Instagram mainly. So I can tell that you've done a lot of work with her. You have a highlight, uh, dedicated to Kiki and you can see a lot of the different training and stuff that you, that you did with her and the work that you did. So, like, like the, like the being outdoors and pottying. And I've also seen that you did some muzzle training, right? Yeah. That was really big. Okay. So can you give us insight into all the work that you did with her? Yeah. Um, so for the first couple months, I didn't do really anything with her. I started trying to like train with dinner and she just did not understand the concept of even learning. Like, there's being untrained and then there's not even understanding what learning is. And she was clearly uncomfortable, clearly hadn't settled in yet and didn't understand how to learn. And I was like, you know what? We're just going to forget this. I just want you to be comfortable and realize I'm a safe person. Mm -hmm. So I really just focused on, you can cuddle with me. I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, Building up that trust. Building up that trust in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I let her play with Starsky a ton. That was huge for her settling in. And um, yeah, I, I remember one time I had some neighbors being rowdy and I yelled out the window and I turned around and she was cowering and I was like, okay, I can't yell near her. This is good to know. Like stuff like that, mm-hmm. just to make sure we, she was in as comfortable an environment as possible and knew that I was not an unsafe person. Um, so that was like the first stuff I did was literally just making her as comfortable as possible, understanding that this is home. Um, then I started doing a little more training, mostly with dinner so that she would have some enrichment. Um, cause I was in law school. So, mm-hmm. you know, some stuff took a back burner, unfortunately. Um, but and time was, uh, time was in limited, uh, demand or in limited quantities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did meal training with her a lot. And once she learned, it was, it took her forever to learn to sit. And then once she learned how to sit, she was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And <laughs> it was very sweet. She training was her absolute favorite thing to do. Um, so she was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. So then I taught her to lay down and then everything after like those couple of basics, she like understood, um, immediately. She was such a quick learner. So then we started working on like some basics and then I had muzzle trained Starsky because there's a lot of chicken bones on the streets of New York and Mm -hmm. he is a hound dog. Um, and I was like, I don't want you eating 10 cooked chicken bones, uh, every single walk. 
So yeah. I muzzle trained him for that, uh, for street snacking. And I was like, okay, this dog also needs to be muzzle trained. I've learned a lot about muzzle training. I was like, every dog should be muzzle trained. Um, so I started muzzle training her with Starsky's muzzle and then eventually bought her own because she was a size down. Um, and so as she's starting to become reactive or not necessarily become reactive, but the reactivity is manifesting now that she feels a little more comfortable. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you need to be muzzled on every single walk. We had a yard in our um, apartment, so I didn't muzzle her in the yard, but anytime we went walking, that dog was muzzled. If like on occasion when a man would come over, like if I wasn't positive, she would feel okay. Like muzzle. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually wish I'd used it a bit more. There were never any bites, but like, I wish I'd used it a bit more. And eventually we used it a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. because she couldn't, she became a significant bite risk eventually. So I did a lot of muzzle training. Um, a lot of training for her was exposure. Um, and my, my friend Dustin, I've mentioned him earlier. He came over, he's like my TV watching friend. Uh, so we watch all the series together. So he would come over once a week and we'd watch like, um, the good plays or parts. Uh-huh. Of and so she got used to a man coming over and that was definitely huge for her. And like slowly, but surely she would like lay like, not across the room, but like only halfway across the room. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she'd lay on the couch. And then I remember there was one day she finally like put her, like rested her chin on Dustin and you could tell she was still scared, but like she wanted to get over the fear. Yeah. Um, that was always a thing with her, even until the day she died, she wanted to get over the fear. She loved my dad and he was incredibly nice to her. Um, I mean, he's just a nice person, yeah. so, but he like, <laughs> he went out of his way to be nicer to yeah. her, um, than he would have been because he knew she needed the extra help. And you could tell she like she would snuggle with my dad, but still feel just a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of her training was exposure training. Um, she had pee pads forever, um, that, that kind of helped and, trying to limit her stress, um, helped with the potty training. Looking back on it, I did not know at that time that chicken was a really common allergy. She was probably allergic to chicken in her food. Uh, and that might've helped, uh, because there was no mental reason she shouldn't have been able to be potty trained. She was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, which was actually being brilliant was probably part of her issue. (laughs) Um, she overthink, overthink, over, she overthought overthought a lot of things. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the words, uh, (laughs) so yeah, we did, I did all positive training with her. Um, you know, I mean a collar pop every now and then that Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily count as, um, you know, I guess it is technically aversive, but it's not anything like cool or anything. Mm -hmm. So, and more like something like that would be like, she yanked kind of thing and would Mm -hmm. collar pop herself. Um, so I didn't, Starsky is e-collar trained. I'm glad I used the e-collar on him. It's, uh, pretty much just for a recall has been a wonderful thing for him. Um, on the whole, you know, I conditioned it super positively, mm-hmm. but um, something like that on Kiki wouldn't, wouldn't have been a good, mix. right. She was not a candidate for any kind of balance training really. Um, so all positive and exposure for her. Um, and I feel like that's important to note because every dog mm-hmm. is different and 
in my opinion, if you're a balanced trainer, sometimes the balance is 100% positive and 0% mm-hmm. like tools. And that's still balanced to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, that makes that's total sense, actually. Yeah, that's, a, so, that's actually a really good like description oh, of balanced <laughs> training, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, it's just the balance is different for every dog. You know, Starsky, I say, is about 95% positive and then 5% the e-collar of uh-huh. that recall. And uh, but every dog is different. And I mean, yep. The balance is never a hundred percent aversive because that's just compulsion training, but mm-hmm. sometimes the balance is a hundred percent positive. Yeah. Um, that's where Kiki was at. She was a very soft dog. Uh given her given her background, that should not be surprising to anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, so Kiki had some really good moments. She loves Starsky. And in one of your posts. You specifically said she had moments of happiness and joy, but she wasn't living a happy life overall um, because of just the trauma she had endured before you had rescued her and and some of the different, um, whether it be genetics or whatever, just the things that were against her, I guess you could say. Um, So when, like, what was like a turning point or if, if any, was there a turning point on when you were thinking something else might have to be done, um, to, you know, to help yourself and to help her. Yeah. So there were kind of a couple of turning points I had all along from day one. My sister is a trainer specializing in like reactivity and, uh, aggression. Um, and then one of my best friends is a trainer also specializing in that. So from day one, I had been working with trainers, um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, not usually not in person, but, but working with them, Mm -hmm. right. Doing, doing what I'm supposed to, like I said, I was in law school, so money was tight. So I couldn't get an in-person trainer, um, as I would have liked to, uh, but I was very much in contact with trainers about her. Um, and, uh, so there were a couple of turning points. There was, you know, the first turning point was really a good turning point a month or two. And she was like, okay, I'm home. Like, okay, this is a safe place. And you know, the rule of threes, like three days, Mm -hmm. three weeks, three months, months. um, it was kind of doubled for her. So she really didn't fully settle in until six months in, if you could even say she ever fully settled in. Um, because you know, her trust was totally broken by this neglect. Um, but around six months was when she really fully settled in and her defenses kind of went down. I, I kind of liken it to being in survival mode. So Mm -hmm. the first six months she was still in survival mode. She'd been shuffled around, you know, she was in this abusive situation, neglectful situation, rescue in Texas gets her great rescue in Texas, sends her up to rescue in New York great. She had a pretty inexperienced foster, very, very nice person, not experienced enough to have a dog like her. Um, and then she goes to me. So I'm like her fourth home in the, Mm -hmm. in two years at this point, she was about four years old. Um, when I got her, we think, um, as you can imagine the woman in the hoarding situation, her records were not great. Um, and checking the dog's records were really not, uh, the rescue's priority necessarily. Um, so, so she settled in and she'd been shuffled around a lot. And 
So she was in survival mode. And once she realized, realized I was permanent, I was not going anywhere. Um, she kind of fully took her defenses down and that's when the PTSD started manifesting. And that's actually something my therapist talked to me about after I was attacked. I was, I said to him about three days after I was like, I'm having PTSD. He was like, you're not having PTSD. You're processing your PTSD. You're going to have it, but you don't have it yet. You're still in the survival mode processing this. And that's kind of how I see how Kiki was. um, I see a lot of parallels between how I processed and how she did. No, that makes total sense because even like now, if you, if you went through something as a child, maybe as a child, you like didn't realize it was like, bad behavior from your parents or from an adult or whoever. And, um, you know, later on in life, you are having a relationship, not, not necessarily with a partner, but just like a friend relationship or a partner relationship, whatever work relationship. And you put up these behaviors because that's how you've learned to survive because you've dealt with that from, you know, childhood, like, you know, trauma or whatever. And, um, you, you have these behaviors because that's how you learn to survive. And then it's like, oh, I'm an adult. And I've learned that these behaviors like aren't the best thing for me to do. Um, right. And then you have to like relearn how to yes. react or, uh, how to respond to things. So I totally get it. Right. And there are some things that some people are just not able to relearn. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, how Kiki was sort of. So about six months. Uh, so there was like the, the one or two month turning point of she, she felt safe. And then there was like the six month turning point of she was like, oh, this is going to stick. And this is great. I'm happy about this. And then the PTSD started manifesting. And then there was the turning point about I was at my wits end shortly before she died, like probably a month to two months before she died. And, um, that was also like the turning point of when this is what I have to do. Um, I have to put her down because of her, uh, problems. Um, so, so the first turning point or the second turning point, uh, was when the PTSD started kind of manifesting. And at this point she was reacting and she was reactive, um, pretty in a very concerning way, like explosive reactivity. And of course, it's not that I'm trying to stigmatize pit bulls, um, but their genetics uh, do, you know, the breed is bred uh, or was historically bred for dog aggression. And some, I mean, she was a bully breed mix. I shouldn't call mm-hmm. her pit bull, but the, the mix in her was uh, American pit bull terrier. So it's in some of these dogs breed standards that they should be dog aggressive. Um and of course, coming from her situation, she was not at all like a good representative of any of the breeds that were in her. Um, so, so she was not just prone to it genetically, but she also was very, very strong. Um, mm-hmm. Pitbull was definitely, she was 24% lab, 23% Pitbull, and then a smattering of other like herding breeds and other breeds prone towards uh, dog aggression. And it was mostly dogs, but she would also explosive react to wheelchairs, bikes, like, like people in some mm-hmm. cases, not, not, she mostly was afraid of people, but she would explosively react to people on things. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had, she was exploding uh, and, and, 
And that was concerning because she's going to hurt someone with that jaw strength. Um, just physically, she was capable of a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, so at that turning point, she redirected on Starsky once. I actually wasn't even there. My friend, I had some very trusted dog sitters and I was actually in Colorado, um, at the time, uh, for like five days or something. And my friend had taken her out to potty and was watching the two dogs and Kiki exploded on Starsky. And I believe that was a redirection of the reactivity, but I don't, I don't know for sure because I wasn't Mm -hmm. there. Um, and then as that happened, it started happening more frequently. Um, and sometimes it was redirecting and sometimes it was out of nowhere. Um, I think the night I truly made the decision to, uh, put her down, um, was like the worst, one of the worst ones and explosions. And it, she was in a sound sleep, woke up and attacked Starsky just like out of nowhere. Um, and luckily he was never majorly injured, but mm-hmm. like he did get like cuts and stuff. Like she did use her mm-hmm. teeth and she didn't know what she was doing. She loved Starsky. Like I always say like normal Kiki and then this, these are not good words to use, but like normal Kiki and PTSD Kiki. And I don't mean to imply that people with PTSD are not normal. I have PTSD. Um, it It's a normal Thing, but I need like a way to differentiate, like, I mm-hmm. guess regular might be a better word. Regular Kiki and PTSD Kiki were two totally different dogs. Um, and regular Kiki was terrified and, and reactive and had serious issues, but was actually making progress. And PTSD Kiki was as, as regular Kiki made progress, PTSD Kiki went downhill fast. Um, so she so just, yeah, there was, were a couple turning points. Yeah. So she, like, kind of later on, um, did you feel like she just was never like, I'm trying to think of a good word. Um, like never mentally safe. Like she was always on a constant state of like on edge. Yes. Yeah. Especially later on, it was like, you couldn't, it would be hard to predict anything. Like when I was taking the bar exam, my mom was, um, the dogs, the dogs found a skunk, uh, in our backyard while my mom was taking the, or while I was taking the bar exam. So my mom was giving all the dogs a bath and she muzzled Kiki because my mom was terrified of Kiki. Mm -hmm. Um, and even with the muzzle on, my mom was really afraid she was going to bite her and she stopped giving her a bath. She was like, I can't, we're not Mm -hmm. doing this. Um, so, yeah. Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? No, you're you're I'm good. So sorry, good. I keep doing this. No, you're fine. It's a very intense uh, thing, it is. so I like, tend to ramble, and then I forget what you've asked. And no, you're fine. You're fine. You answer the question. Um, okay. So you talked a little bit about your sister's a trainer and your friend's a trainer. Um, did you do any kind of other like vet or behavioral consultations? Uh, prior yes. to putting her down? Yeah. So I'm not, I didn't see a vet behaviorist because at this point I didn't, I didn't feel like that was necessary. Um, uh, this was later, she had always been on medication when she came to me on fluoxetine and I would not have wanted to see that dog off fluoxetine. Like I, she wasn't safe on it. So like, I was like, okay, it, I know 
some medications can cause behavioral problems, but if she's not even safe on fluoxetine, I'm not going to take her off because who knows what will happen. Um, so my, God, my cousin is actually a vet um, and she was our- You got the connections. I, I really do. It's actually kind of nice because I get half off. I get the family and friends discount. Uh, so I try to get all my expensive vet care when I'm visiting my parents for that reason. Um, so, and I also, I really trust my cousin's opinion. She's, mm-hmm. she's my second cousin. She's my mom cousin, my mom's cousin. So she's been, she's older. She's been practicing for a long time. She knows what she's doing. I really, really trust her. Um, so she, uh, I, I took Kiki and I was like, Annie, I don't know what to do. Like I am at my wits end. I I'm starting to think about behavioral euthanasia, but I want to try absolutely everything I can. And, I think I've tried pretty much everything at this point. I hadn't tried balanced training, but she was not a good candidate for that. I was not going to do that with her. Um, If anything, if that had done anything, it would have just suppressed things for her. And that wasn't going to be safe either. Um, So I just knew in my heart that was not her path. Um, And I was like, what can we do? And Annie was like, you're probably going to have to put her down. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. This is probably a behavioral euthanasia case. She said, we can try a few things. We can give her an MRI, but that's not really going to change her behavior. It'll just let you know if there's something physical happening. Um, and it's entirely possible there was something physical happening. I opted not to do an MRI because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to change the behavior. It wasn't going to change the outcome. Um, and I personally didn't feel like I had to know. I had a friend who had to put her dog down for aggression and, and she did opt for an MRI because she was like, I just, I needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't do an MRI, but I did, we did max out her fluoxetine. She was on like the second to highest dose and we maxed it out to the highest dose. And, um, and it actually made her a little worse, uh, until she kind of got used to it. And then mm-hmm. she was exactly the same. Um, and once the medicine had been maxed out and my sister was like, I think this is a behavioral euthanasia case. My friend, my trainer friend was like, I think this is a behavioral euthanasia case. And, and everyone was like, it's okay. I, that was huge for me. I needed like some external permission that this is, this is an okay thing to do. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's something that so many people could look at and, and shame you. Yeah, I've gotten and, a little bit of that. Not a ton, but I've definitely, I know there are people who talk behind my back. I've gotten a little bit to my face. There's so much stigma about it. And I always say nobody understands until they do. And I mm-hmm. hope they never understand. But mm-hmm. until you've had a really, really difficult and unpredictable dog, whether you had to put them down or not, you don't understand what it's like to live with one. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I totally interrupted you just there. I'm no, so sorry. No, 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 you're, you're fine. You're fine. I like... I'm just thinking, you know, this is why I started the podcast is so people could like understand these experiences a little bit more. And I'm just like, want to hug you. <laughs> I'm a huggy person. So I just want to hug you. That if only you weren't far away. I know. <laughs> I'm surprised okay. I haven't cried yet, honestly. Um, it's like a very emotionally intense mm-hmm. thing for me because I love my, I still love my dog, even though she's gone. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to put my dog down, uh, but, but you sometimes saw that the best was- thing for him. Yeah, you saw that it was better for for her. Um, yeah, and even like going throughout this whole conversation, not once did you say, you know, it was too hard for me. You know, I didn't have time. I didn't have the resources. Um, yeah, it, you've 
you literally put your life into her. So yes, if like the people that are listening, I hope you understand how much Charlotte literally put into Kiki. Um, this is making me want to cry. It's a very intense subject, but like whether it's your dog or not, I'm just thinking about it. Like you literally did so much for her and not once did you say, you know, this is for me. You know, it was always about her. So I don't know. It was until until the end. I don't want to say that I didn't come into it at all. Like Mm -hmm. in dog ownership, there is always a human element to it. Right. And humans deserve a high quality of life too. Mm -hmm. And she was majorly affecting my quality of life. That was not my primary decision or primary reason for putting her down at all. But I don't want to say it wasn't a consideration. It wasn't really a consideration until those last six weeks. And then I was like, okay, am I, I'm never going to be able to have kids. If I have this dog, I'm never going to be able to date. I didn't date because I was still recovering from the attack, but I was like, I'm never going to be able to date because I'm straight and I, I can't bring strange men around this dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I can't, really do anything with her. She actually did not like the outdoors, uh, which just sounds ridiculous because she's a dog. No, she literally was anxious just being in the backyard. She did not like outdoors because of her past. And it's like, okay, so I can't take this dog out, like walking, even just walks in my parents' small town, even just walks in our little like hamlet in um in the Adirondacks where I studied for the bar even those were traumatizing Mm -hmm. for her she she they were less traumatizing than walks in Brooklyn but she did not like outdoors she did not like hiking she wanted to go out for potty and then come back in and snuggle that's the only so I couldn't do anything with the dog I couldn't really have guests and friends over because that was terrifying so and I was walking on pins and needles. Like, is she going to attack a loved one next? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is it going to escalate? It was starting to escalate towards humans. I was like, it's only a matter of time before a human gets seriously injured. And I'm never going to be able to forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say I didn't think about myself at all, but it was kind of like my last consideration after my quality of life had really deteriorated because of her. Yeah. Um, I do want to clarify that because I think it's important to like you, it's okay to think about yourself, yourself in like these situations like this, when you have a difficult dog, it's a hundred percent. Okay. To think about how it's affecting you as well. Um, you know, no one is putting down, I mean, maybe some people, very few people are putting down their dog out of convenience. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to put down the dog that they love. Right. Um, so nobody, that's never the only reason, like there's something else going on. Um, it's never the only reason people are putting them down, but it is a valid reason to consider when determining if behavioral euthanasia is what your dog needs. Mm -hmm. So this, this was, uh, you know, a hard rescue, um, (laughs) just a hard process. And I'm sure lots of people have gone through, um, similar, similar pieces of the story. So can you touch a bit on how making big decisions with rescues or with your dogs has helped you in your human life? I think it's made me a lot more confident as, at least as a dog owner. Um, it's, 
it taught me so much. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm able to give advice to my friends better. Like I, I just feel like I have so much more of a well-rounded experience. Um, in terms of like human to human relationships, I think it did teach me, I think, to prioritize myself a little bit more. I'm not necessarily good at that. Um, I'm still not good at that, but it definitely was definitely, it definitely was definitely um, <laughs> an experience that kind of pointed out to me that like your life experience, your quality of life is valid. And that is, you have to look out for yourself because no one else is going to look out for you. And it's, it's okay to look out for yourself, even if it means making like a really hard decision. Um, you know, I still think of myself as like a relatively selfless person. At the same time, I, it took me a while to realize this, that selfish is not a bad word. It, it means that you're looking out for yourself and caring for yourself, especially mentally and emotionally in ways that like you really do need. That's, <laughs> that's really important. So it taught me how to be selfish. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, you need to take care of yourself way. Um, and that's something I have started telling, telling friends too, when like, uh, on, you know, if, if they're having a tough time, like it's okay to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a bad word. We were even just talking about that at the beginning. You were like, I have to do some things on my own. I'm like, yeah, me too. Yes. <laughs> my whole life cannot too. be my dogs. It's, uh, it makes it, it makes me burn out on dog ownership and I don't want to burn out on dog ownership. So yeah. I got to, got to figure out some non dog things. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we always want to celebrate all, all the things and all the joy that, um, things have given us, even if they aren't here anymore. So has, this experience with Kiki taught you anything? Yeah. So like I just mentioned, it's definitely like taught me a lot about how to deal with dogs and how to deal with difficult dogs. Um, it's given me additional perspectives on training and training types. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's taught me to appreciate like the now, especially she was like, she felt joy, but her existence was not happy, uh, which is, is hard to understand. I find until you have a dog that is like that. Um, and actually we, my parents had to do a behavioral euthanasia on a dog as well when I was a little kid. And it was like the same kind of thing. He was a sweet, sweet dog. And, but he, he had serious issues. His were actually non-aggression related, uh, which, you know, might be even more controversial than behavioral euthanasia for aggression. Um, but he had some incurable, uh, mental issues, but, but was able to feel joy except when he wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. so it definitely kind of taught me appreciate the now appreciate the dog you have. It definitely taught me the importance of wow, it really taught me the importance of genetics and early socialization, which is why I ended up going to Ginsburg. Ginsburg's from a breeder, a really good breeder. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew from about three months in that like Kiki was so hard that my next dog was going to be from a breeder. I did not know I was going to end up putting her down and my next dog would be so soon. Um, you know, I, I got Ginsburg about a year and a half a year and a half after I put Kiki down ish. Um, and I, so I did not know it was going to be, or not after I got, yes. After I put Kiki down, not after mm-hmm. I got Kiki. 
Um, I did not know it was going to be so soon, but I knew I was going to go to a breeder because um, a good breeder is really mindful of genetics and temperament mm-hmm. when they're selecting their breeding pairs and um, looking at Kiki's genetics. It is no shock that she had some serious issues. Um, I think even had she not been neglected, I think she would have survived. I don't think she ever would have been a happy dog. You know, she was a mix of, she was Pipple Lab, German Shepherd, Rottweiler, Cattle Dog, Great Dane, like just a wild random mix like that from dogs who were certainly not the best specimens of the breed. Mm-hmm. So maybe not passing on the best traits. And I, I think she always she if she had not been neglected that she would have not needed behavioral euthanasia but that she never would have been a really happy dog and she would never have been a totally stable dog i think she would have been yeah. genetically kind of unstable and then it taught i learned about puppy culture um puppy culture and other early socialization programs because of her um and i learned you know good breeders i knew good breeders would do socialization Um, and I knew what ENS early neurological stimulation was. Uh, I did not know the extent of socialization and how, how deliberate breeders can be with socialization. It's not just introducing your puppy to a lot of different things. Uh, Mm -hmm. puppy culture does startle recovery to help dogs recover quickly. Um, and that's huge. I've really seen the benefits of that with Ginsburg. Um, So it taught me just how important it is that dogs get the right start in life. And Ginsburg has the start in life that I wish Kiki had had. Like that you wish every dog would have. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. I do wish every dog would have it. Like if the world was a perfect place, we wouldn't need rescue because there wouldn't be dogs in shelters because they would all be well-bred. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would all be stable, sound dogs in good fits of a home who would be taken back by the breeders if they needed to be rehomed for any reason. Um, like, I guess that's, that's the point of rescue, right? That hopefully we don't need it anymore eventually, although we always will. Um, so it taught me a lot about dogs and about the starts that dogs really need in life. And I, I wish Kiki had had that start. I often, when I remember her, I really think back to her potential. Like she was the most brilliant dog. Like, I was trick training her the day she died because she loved it so much. She just, she could not live life in a way that a normal dog should be able to. And of course there's, you know, dogs deserve to have a fulfilling life. And and of course every dog like has some things and, you know, you're going to have to manage every dog, but like the micromanagement necessary and just how limited she was in things she was really able to do she could not enjoy life in a way a dog deserves to enjoy life. And so I always remember her potential. Like she would have been amazing at weight pull. She would have been amazing at wall climb. She would have been great trick dog. You know, she was a decent trick dog, even Mm -hmm. though, um, even though uh, that, that was really the only kind of training we could really do because she was terrified of everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she would have excelled at barn hunt. I think she would have loved really anything this dog, you know, she would do anything to please me. And she just had so much fun training and doing stuff with me. Um, it just, I think about her potential and the dog she could have been, even if she'd had those unstable genetics, I think, you know, 
this dog could have been a great backpacking dog, a great hiking dog. If she wasn't so afraid, this dog Mm -hmm. could have been a great sport dog. If she wasn't trying to kill every single dog she saw. Um, and it just makes me sad. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Heavy note. (laughs) Heavy note. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Lots of uncomfortable um, laughing because of heavy, no, heavy, <laughs> heavy topic. <laughs> Intense. Okay. I swear. I don't think this is funny. It's just heavy. <laughs> All right. Two, two last questions. So, um, you do have a photography business and you always like reference that you encourage other people to take pictures with their dogs because you wish you had more pictures with, with your dogs. Um, so everyone be on the lookout for, for Charlotte's <laughs> photography business. I guess that's not really a question. It was more of a plug for you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay. And then last question. And I asked this to everyone. Um, so what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? It means having a partner. Um, I think I, I didn't really think about, I know you asked this question. I didn't really think about it. And now I'm answering right away. So I guess I must, I must sort of know, uh, Starsky. I always describe Starsky as like my partner. Like he did his best to protect me when I was getting attacked because I was on a walk with him. Um, and God, he's such a good dog. Uh, he is, I don't like the term heart dog, but he is a once in a lifetime dog. And I got so lucky with him. Um, and so I think I always say like, I was more like Kiki's mom and caregiver. I'm Starsky as my partner. And then Ginsburg, I would say, is much more of a partnership than Kiki was as well. Um, and it, it means having like a partner to like do life with, not in a romantic sense, obviously, but uh, <laughs> like you have a strong relationship and you want to be with your dog a lot. Not all the time because it's important to do just a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a dog mom mentality is just recognizing the relationship you have with your dog and wanting to build on that relationship. And yeah, I think that's a dog mom. That's a beautiful answer. I love that answer. I love every answer that people, people give me for that. They're all like so unique and every single one of them just feels so genuine and my heart just like busts. And it's so different for every single person because we all bring our different experiences to the table. And we all have had such different, there's not a single person in this world that's had the exact same dog experience you have. So I really like that question. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Every, every single answer just makes my heart literally burst. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That must be fun listening to all of them. (laughs) It is. Okay. So this wraps up all of our questions. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and and talking and sharing your story with us. Uh, Charlotte. So, all right. I'm Thank going you so much to, for having me. Of course. All right. All right, this was a really big episode for me and I really appreciate Charlotte coming on and letting me be a part of sharing her story about Kiki. And to wrap things up, 
If you have any questions about this podcast or anything that Charlotte or I said, please feel free to message me on Instagram about anything and everything. Um, you can also reach out to Charlotte at Charlotte with Dogs and to tie a little pretty bow on everything, a little little pink, purple, and yellow tie-dye bow as I like to say. Um, if you liked this episode or any episode in general, please rate, review, and subscribe and share a picture of you listening to this episode on Instagram and tag at dogmommentality and our guest Charlotte with dogs. I hope you have a fabulous week and a fabulous weekend and if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.